Welcome to Stop Telling and Start Listening with David Cook. If you're frustrated with the way we are speaking or not speaking to each other, if you find yourself easily at odds in your conversations with people, this may be just the show for you. Listen in as David and his guests will help you elevate your communication skills and navigate the tensions present in many conversations today. Now, here is David Cook. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is David Cook with Stop Telling and Start Listening. Uh, thanks for joining us today. I'm excited to have, um, I, I've got a studio full of people today. Some days I, I run monologues and I go solo. Today, Madam D has brought three of her four uh, masculine voices, and we're going to have a great conversation about um, stopping the silence and um The gist of that stopping the silence is the whole idea is that when we experience um, a traumatic life event, a lot of times we try to, um, not everybody, but a lot of times our tendency is to figure out a way to muscle through, tough it out, muscle through, figure it out. Um, There's sometimes there's shame and stigma that we don't know who to trust with our story or how to tell our story. So rather than try to share and, and find a resource to help us. Um, we kind of just like figure out how do I navigate it myself and and, and healing rarely comes that way. And uh, my guest today with uh, her uh, three uh, masculine voices is Madam D. And she has started a, a nonprofit organization called Stopping the Silence. And she has a, a great podcast with the, these gentlemen and they uh, take questions from people who mail them in and they kick it around. It's very much kind of reminded me, I said to Madam D when I watched it a couple of times, it reminded me of um, ESPN, except instead of talking sports, we talked about faith and um, men and love and our responsibilities. And it was very powerful conversations. And so I I am looking forward to to having um, everybody that's in the room uh, on this call today. But uh, let's start with you, Madam D. Um, um, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got here. Dave, first of all, I want to thank you for having um, giving us the opportunity to be on your show today. I'm so grateful and I'm so excited. So thank you for giving us the opportunity. This is great. Stopping, yeah, thank you. Um, Stopping the Silence was created about two years ago. I started off doing interviews with um, multiple people, um, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me that um, he wants me to get a group of men to um, start stopping the silence about different situations people may be going through. So I reached out to these gentlemen and they were so graciously opening to my idea and I thank God for them. But so far, um, the mission of stopping the silence is to break the silence for, um, it doesn't matter what it is, relationships, um, marriages, if you're going through sicknesses or whatever it may be, the, um, the mission of it is to stop your silence so someone else can be set free. I started stopping the silence because I was um, that person who felt comfortable in my silence um, and I was okay with it. It's almost like I compare it to like, if, if you stay in the dark for a certain um, period of time, you start to see things in darkness. And that's why I was becoming a person who saw things in darkness. So I want to reach out to people so they don't have to feel like they are alone. Um, uh, on the other side, I am a hostage and crisis negotiator. I am a um, crisis intervention team member, and um, we focus on getting people, helping people come out of their crisis. And um, I'm applying that to this mission because I do believe that um, we as people, we as humans, um, we as believers have to reach down and help people come out of their crisis um, spiritually. So that's the mission of Stopping the Silence. And our, our goal is to go on around the world, just stopping the silence and um, 
my mission is based off of Acts when Paul was sleeping, the Holy Spirit spoke to Paul and told Paul, do not be silent because there's many people in my city and we're going to different places around the world, so whether it be social media, in person, and we are stopping the silence. So that's the gist of what we do and how we are. That's great. It's awesome. You know, it's, uh, I love the advice that you got uh, to, you know, bring more masculine voices in. Um, I started mm-hmm. a non I started a nonprofit uh, probably about 12 years ago as a as a dad who was dealing with um, uh, with my youngest son, my third child. Um, he had a, a dealing. He still is. He's in prison right now, but uh, dealing with a heroin addiction. And mm. I, I did, a, I, you know, I, I, I did what a lot of parents did. I tried to figure it out for myself, right? I love mm-hmm. my kid. I encouraged my kid. I shamed my kid. I yelled at my kid. You know, mm-hmm. I did everything that I could to, to love him into a place, all the tools of love, all the, all the vehicles of love to love him in a place. Um, and what I realized in, as, a, as a parent is there's not enough love in the world to get your child to, to embrace recovery. And so I, I pivoted and started to just walk alongside him and practice love and acceptance, but, and started talking to moms and dads and doing presentations. But the reason I, you know, I say moms and dads, but the reality of it was more moms. And that, that was my frustration is because dads would get frustrated and check out. Mm-hmm. And it drove me crazy because these moms were left to figure stuff out by themselves, but they were, they were isolated in their own home with a, with a parent who was with a partner that wasn't supporting them. You know, mm-hmm. um, and it really, and it, it really frustrated me and 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 uh, challenged me a bit because of how do we get more dads engaged? And so mm-hmm. I love that that's what you're doing is is that you're getting these men involved to bring bring perspective to things and and encouragement and support because, you know, I don't know what it is about us dudes, but when we get pissed off, we just check out. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know, Dave, I think it's important to understand, um, you know, the structure. And we can't, I mean, as a believer, we can't deny the structure, you know, men are heads of the house, men are the leaders, and we can't keep um, dismissing that. And if we continue to not listen to them, well, rightfully, you know, if they're righteously, you know, of course, they're supposed to be following God, but we can't ignore the fact that men are the leaders, and we have to have them speak out and to lead, and we as women supposed to follow. That's how I was raised, that's how I view things, and I think that's, that's, that's the start of getting the men back in line into where they're supposed to be in the position they're um, created to be and that's to lead. Yeah. But what do you do when, um, and, and, you know, guys, anybody wants to jump in, jump in, but what do you do like in that situation where, you know, like my conversations with, with a mom, you know, a wife and, and that stuff. And she just go, um, you know, my, my husband's done with this. He's had, he's had enough of my son's crap and he's, he's done. So she's looking for help, but he, he's out, he's out playing golf. He's out painting the house. He's in his own silo of pain. And, um, but he's not engaged. I mean, how do you, how do you guys get men involved when, when they're out? Um, they, they've checked out. Well, I'll first say uh, one of the things that we need to do, maybe instead of looking at it from just that instance is we got a, the broader scope is we need to start simplifying and getting men checked by in by exemplifying for one not being afraid to speak on the family structure that Mac and Madam D just talking about to let men know not only that they are important, but, and so how, and so I think if we could, first of all, even start there with even getting a voice and, 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 and defining foundations that we shouldn't have never left and start encouraging men that listen, your family can only go as far as you take them. And, and then when you stop taking them and being engaging, especially in delicate moments and times like that, uh, the house is going to suffer. It gets no easy when a man is docile. Actually, it gets hard. It's like 
uh, you know, you're feeding the dragon in, in that instance. And so there is just an overall mindset of men checking out and things where they need to always be checked in. And I wish there was just an easy, instantaneous answer, but we will continue to suffer. But at least if we could do it, we can. And that is speak out. Because I know we live in a feministic society that now has reversed the roles. And I think if we could stand firm and be willing to go against the grain to exemplify and proclaim what God's true order is, then by default, it, it's not, it, I'm sorry, it's not a microwave answer, but it's one that we can get to the yeah. cause of the problem and start turning those around who want to be turned around. Because consequently, you know, when we look at it, I often say this, uh, you can, nothing is guaranteed when you're dealing with the will of another human being. So the most we can do is do what we can and just pray and hope that percentage wise things will get better. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's definitely, and I wasn't looking for a magic, uh, you know, like you said, what you call a microwave answer. Yeah, I, I think it's a complex issue and and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the, the fundamental, uh, I, I definitely agree with you and understand is the fundamental is, is that it starts with modeling the behavior necessary um, to move people into a different place um, so they can yeah. see what it, they can see what it looks like and, and, and see how um, potentially they can step into a similar space and within their family. Um, yes, and, and, and I definitely get that. I think my frustration for me was, is that I would go to these talks and there'd be, you know, 80% of the people when I would give talks, 80% of the people were moms without their husbands, wives without right. their, you know, and it's just like, gosh, you know, and say, so they, Dave, I'm so happy you're doing this stuff. It's beautiful. I wish I could get my husband here. So, you know, the role model only works if somebody sees the role model, if they're checked out, um, right. it's like, how, how do you drag them back? I can't go to people's house and bang on the door and say, dude, you have to show up. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Your frustrations are definitely valid. They do not share the same sentiments. Yeah. I mean, I had one situation where I was giving a talk at a church in Toledo and the guy, there was a guy there and, and um, his wife was so excited that um, he came because it, uh, up to five minutes before the event, he wasn't coming. And I knew this um, yeah. through, through the people that were hosting me. And so I pulled the guy aside and I just said to him, I said, you know, I am really, really grateful you're here. And your wife is going to be grateful that you're here. So thank you for showing up. And that's the best I could do. And he ended up turning around. He he did get fully engaged with with things. So if he can get them, it works. But the trick is getting them. and, and not and not not everybody's going to follow the room. They if they see they see me, they say, "Yeah, your story doesn't resonate with me, or your your behavior doesn't resonate with me." You know, like you said, um, we we can't make people change their minds. They have to find something that helps them change their mind. Mm-hmm. You know. So I get it. So, Madam D, how did you pick these guys? Oh wow! <laughs> so I'll start off with um, Carly. Um, I Carly has a show called Critical Dialogue, and it has blessed my life. And I saw it, it one day, and the Holy Spirit actually told me to ask Andrew. Um, he has a powerful message with his own Kingdom Alliance, and so I, I reached out to him. And uh, fortunately, Carly was so uh, receptive of the invitation. So I'm grateful because he is the wisdom of the group. He is definitely the wisdom of the group, and I'm so grateful to have him on the panel. Um, and Braxby, actually, Braxby did an interview on my show, and um, <laughs> uh, Braxby, you know, he would explain that to you later. But he is—he um, was a professional basketball player and a coach. And I said, I need his his um, the way he thinks because also, um, excuse me, Braxby is a life coach, a certified life coach as well, and he um, he really 
is a leader as far as mentoring children, mentoring young young men. And I said, I need that perspective from um, his angle on the team. And he also was gracious um, and he wanted to move forward. And I, and I was grateful for that. Um, Will, Will and I actually grew up together. Will and I grew up um, since middle school together. And he, um, we grew up, went to the same high school, middle school. So, um, and also Will is also a minister. So um, mm-hmm. Will was just the, the ideal person. I was like, wow, because Will also brings a different kind of angle to the team. Um, so I reached out to him and he was happy to do it as well. And Slater, Slater is a um, international recording artist and um, he also is a youth pastor. And he also brings that angle of speaking to the youth. And he is really, really great at what he does um, and how he speaks to the youth and get them involved. So I reached out to him and he was um, really excited about it. And um, yeah, that's how I, and, and all of them, they bring their own different um, angle and their different views, but we worked so well together. I'm so grateful for them because um, they all bring their own different views on it, but we all works together and mm-hmm. it's, it, it makes a great picture. So yeah, everybody was so happy to join and I'm so grateful for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> pretty cool. Well, you have a very, you have a very diverse group, um, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so that, that's, that's pretty nice. You got, uh, you got athletes, you got musicians, yeah, people team oriented, life coaches. There's a lot of there's a lot of diversity and and depth to your uh, to the masculine voices for sure. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, and also um, I, I thought to mention that um, Pastor Crawley, he's also a pastor. And when I saw when I saw him on the show, he brings so much biblical um, facts, and and he stands on his convictions. And I really needed that because um, I'm blessed by it. And he just gives off this aroma of power and and then that's how I, I like you know what let me let me ask him so yeah you're right we have different we have pastors you pastor minister life coaches all a mix on this panel and, and, and it brings it makes us our have our own unique um aura yeah yeah well I, yeah i hope like i said i hope i didn't insult anybody when i said this is like you know espn sports show but there was so much energy mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in your podcast that it just mm-hmm. that that's what it that what it is and also too um you know i do want to like dive into the faith thing because it was very very clear that the foundation of everything was biblical um and and faith-based and 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 christ-centered and stuff like that it, you know it was of like course. there was there was there was no you know gray area it was clearly black and white it was like yeah this this, this is it this is the foundation of who we are what we believe and how mm-hmm. we go at things and i uh, and i did appreciate the passion and the energy for that when i was watching um a couple of your shows your podcasts yeah, 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 Dave. And I'm and I'm gonna be quite honest with you. I don't like to be fake when it comes to my faith and my belief, you know. And um, I want to stop. And the stop and sign was based off of Acts eighteen nine through ten. And I'm gonna tell you how it happened. I was in and I was in a room, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me stop in the silence. And so I am convicted, and I there's no way that I can change my perspective on this. Um, I had people who asked me, why don't you do a female version? I'm just not led right now to do that. Um, um, I stand on my convictions. I stand on what I believe in. And um, whatever Stopping the Silence um, produces, it has to be Holy Spirit driven. And I stand on that. So and I thank mm-hmm. you for noticing that. You know, that's what I want people to notice. When they hear Stopping the Silence, I want them to know this is a faith-based mission. Yeah. you. Uh, well, you've, you've been clear with me from day one. Um, and I think that that's awesome. You've, you know, kind of curious... Um, do you find people stepping back when you are very um, um, clear about where your message is coming from 
I mean, do you, do you, do you feel like people step in or step away when you're doing that? To be honest, I have not had anybody to step back. And I'm, and, I, and, and also too, David, with all due respect, and if they do step back, that's fine. <laughs> but you know, that's okay. Um, because I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to change uh, what, what our mission is, you know, because I do believe that those who want to hear will hear and those who mm-hmm. want to change will change. And, but, um, we have to still be lights. We can't dim our lights because they don't want to see our light. We have to still be lights. So um, to answer your question, I have not had any um, pushback that's open to me that I've seen, um, but I have people more so receptive of it than anything. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's um, one of my favorite podcasters. I don't, and, um, I don't know if you guys uh, follow Andy Stanley from North Point Church down in Georgia, but um, he, you know, I've gone to his church a couple of times and heard him, heard him preach and stuff like that. And one of the things that he does it so beautifully is he'll pull out the Bible and he'll read a scripture and he says, okay, you know, he, um, he gives everybody, he gives the, you know, the, the potential non-believer and out. He says, look at, you don't have to believe these words. I'm not telling you have to believe these words, but just listen to them, allow Mm -hmm. them to allow them to go into your head and process the wisdom and the insight and the power in these words. So he's not saying you got to believe that this came from God. What I'm encouraging you to do is allow this to influence, you know, your 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 decisions or your choices or behaviors. You know, influence your life. Um, uh, and I I think that that's really cool because um, it's a it's a it's a nice soft way of um, for me of proselytizing. Sometimes people are in your face with you know religion and 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 faith, and I think that's okay. But there I've had some friends who say the only way that I can, you can that you're going to find your way through is through Christ. And that's true. But if they're not ready to receive the message, all you're doing is creating another wall of resistance for them. If you give them a, like a a way to hear the message without Mm -hmm. feeling the pressure, at least there's an opportunity for them to move in the direction that they need to move. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but (laughs) I'll let Crawley come after me, but I just want to say, you know, the Holy spirit, um, the fruits of the spirit, one of the fruits of spirit is gentleness, you know, and if you want to um, have a mission like this, we have to know how to be gentle. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's not going to be at the same level of understanding as you, but I think it's very vital to use that as um, an opportunity to, to use one of the fruits of the spirit, which is gentleness. Mm-hmm. Carly? Yeah, I'll say, yeah, definitely. And it's, it's just good to talk about that because I'm just reminded of the, and I just view things from the overall shape of the church religiosity mm-hmm. in our time nowadays. And one of the things that, we have been so enamored with when we look at this new age church is and seeker friendly church is somewhere along the line we have failed to forget that we're not smart enough to draw anybody to christ amen on that right you know the bible the scriptures let us know that someone can only come to him if they be yes. drawn of the spirit so what we're to do as people because we don't know any and everything we're not god but we are right. his agents all we're supposed to do is just do what, do the message, send the message, and make sure that it's proclaimed in a sound way. And guess mm-hmm. what? It falls on the people who we're just supposed to give out seed, and whoever resonates with it at this time, then they'll come on. But a lot of times we have we have think, well, if I if I say it this way, or if I also bring it in with a piece of candy, or if I you know also yes. attach a coffee shop to the front of my church, or if I say <laughs> you know just wear slippers, maybe that's going to be inviting enough where someone can be like, hey. And the thing about it is, is that God already knows who is going to be him. We don't. So we just proclaim it in a sound way with the fruits of the spirit, gentleness, love, concerning the overall well-being of a person. And guess what? 
God is not going to lose one person that he has Mm -hmm. meant to go to heaven. And so all we have to do is make sure we're disobedient and say what needs to be said when he wants us to say it. And then we don't worry about the harvest because the harvest is not our job. It's Mm, just our job to be commissioned to do what he called. And that relieves us. That relieves the pastors. But when we think that we have to be smart enough to reach people, because let's face it, people, just because it won't reach us, don't mean it won't reach somebody, especially when we look at the Mm -hmm. biblical prophets of old. A lot of us think they were unwise because they were very not only direct and loud, they would have been the people on the street corners. But guess what? somebody got saved because of that it's not everybody so there's different methods and different people mm-hmm. because of where they come from that will hear different things some people will hear it softly some people won't hear it unless it's direct some people won't hear it unless it's whatever but the holy spirit is wiser than us all and he just wants us to give it and just be obedient when he tells us to give it and how that's it that's yes, it that's good that is very good I, I love i love the word that you use crowley is like you said religiosity it's like that's uh I was going to do a podcast on that, and, and I'm trying not to because I think the cynic in me will come out in a, in the wrong way. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. <laughs> um, but um, I don't know, Dave. We may have some compatibility with that because the biggest part of my mission is looking at the church and saying how traditionally, well, how what things we thought was right that really didn't line up with scripture. So when it comes to religiosity and tradition, that is one of the apple of my eyes to get us to kind of re-examine because we do need to re-examine and rethink quite a bit yeah mm-hmm. the, there's a there's a church that i go to here in phoenix and one of the it was um it's called open door fellowship and it was basically founded by a by the the pastor who founded it was bringing people to um an organized church but the people that he were bringing were you know at the time this was 50 years ago but he was bringing hippies and homeless and um druggies and all that stuff and basically the church that he brought them to said um, these aren't our people. <laughs> You're making our people uncomfortable. And so mm-hmm. he formed his own church and called it Open Door Fellowship. And one of the most important things of the Open Door Fellowship Church was um, practicing love and acceptance, meeting people where they are for who they are. And in in one of the things that I learned from, from that church that I took away from it is, like what you said, is um, it's kind of like what we do when we're talking about addiction. Don't tell me what you're going to do. Show me what you're going to do. So if you want to, you can, mm-hmm. I can tell people I'm a Christian, but what people really want is do they experience what Christianity means to me? And when I say what Christianity means to me is how do I love, accept, and, you know, embrace um, and, and be present to others. I'm not trying to tell them what they need to do. It is I'm showing them what it means to me. And I, I used to say to people, the trick is to, you know, the, of course, now I haven't used that word after COVID, but the trick it for me is um, uh, to be, for me to be um, infectious. People say, whatever Dave's got, I want that. Because Dave's relaxed, he's happy, he's peaceful, he engages, he finds joy in, in, in difficulty, et cetera, et cetera. And they go, whatever he's got, I want more of that. So they are attracted to, to me in some reason for that. I don't need to preach. I can just say, yeah, you know, you know, my life has changed when I did X, Y, and Z. And you'll get there. But this is what works for me. And I've just found that that that's so much easier than all the other crap that we're trying to do to make people, you know, shame people into being Christians because nobody's going to be attracted to Christ by being shamed into it. You're wrong. You're you're screwed up. You're lost. You know, and nobody wants to hear that. In my opinion, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but mm-hmm. I know Carly, you're looking at me kind of funny. What are you thinking, man? 
no, no. I was, I was just, I was, I was still going back to the, um, I was still going back to the example that you gave about a pastor who opened up the open door church because that's one of the dilemmas that I try to discuss. I try to help enlighten Christian leaders too on a more biblical way to do church, which is saying, as foreign as it may sound, one, and I, I'm also the author of the New Age Vernacular, but one of the things that I'm teaching is how do we merge those who need to be reached for Christ, who would never come in the doors, also with the Christian meeting of who are people who are already gathered and, and mm. the Bible, you know, lets us know it's foreign to us because culture has told us that church should be open to the general public. Christianity is open to the general public, but the meeting of the believers should be closed only because we are closed meetings simply to prepare people to grow up, to go mm. out and now love and show people Christ. But think about it, mm. church, when you when you say that church should be open door, now church is the only place in the entire world. When you, when you look at education, when you look at recreation, when you look at the restaurant industry, it's the only place in the entire world that isn't allowed to have closed preparation meetings mm. to now serve the community. Mm. So one of the things that I do in my book is I have this parallel that I teach. I said a church should not be a hospital. It should operate more like a fire station. A fire mm. station is a place where only firefighters are invited. It's not open to the general public. But get this, we want them to because the more they are able to close up and prepare when a fire starts, guess what? It's, it's, it's ridiculous to think that in order for firefighters to rescue you from a fire you got to bring the fire or the people who need rescuing to the fire station no that doesn't happen jesus <laughs> is true. It, jesus you know what happens is no the fire station prepare firefighters to go out and rescue people wherever they are and so the mm -hmm. church needs to not be open to the public not saying we're not loving to the center but it's just saying no just let us have a a field house experience like just like i say at the football you know football game the football game is open to everybody but guess what the field house is not open to everybody the field house is the place where the football team prepare for football night and so that's how I church like should that. be that's foreign to us but in order to love like we need to love we need to be prepared and we need to grow up and then send them out where the centers are that's, that's a, that good crawling that's a great that is a great analogy too because you think you know we're going to take a break here in a second but when you just thought that analogy for football is great the game is 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 open to everybody but practice is closed mm -hmm. yeah man i love that i love that concept I, i'm gonna have to noodle on that one but anyway we're gonna take a break <laughs> right now um we're already halfway through the show we've flown through the first half um when we come back we'll continue this conversation um, I love these conversations. I don't have a plan. I just like to let it roll and, and uh, learn from my guests, and we're learning a lot. So we'll be back, and we'll continue this conversation. This is Dave Cook with Stop Telling and Start Listening. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. We are living in a time where a relentless commitment to opinions and beliefs are dividing communities and fracturing crucial relationships. Making ourselves right and those who disagree with us wrong leaves little room for engaging in a constructive learning dialogue there is little opportunity to change minds, find common ground, or solve complex problems. Those who are not being heard or understood become angry, hurt, lost, isolated, alone, and more. While mental health-related issues are on the rise, 
Too few know how to safely share their struggles, and far too many don't know how to care about those that do. While it is increasingly frustrating to experience an increase in this communication divide, there is hope, and according to David Cook, there is an answer. The answer lies in how we adjust our communication style and shift our listening behaviors. In his radio show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook introduces his audiences to the power found in creating a safe place for sharing life perspectives and experiences without judgment, criticism, correction, or shame. There are tremendous opportunities in learning to see the world from the eyes of another. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific. Discover how shifting your listening behaviors will close the divide that exists between you and others in your community. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David. All right, this is Dave Cook with Stop Telling and Start Listening, and I am back with uh, Madam D and I guess, was it three of the four masculine voices? Is that correct? Yes. Yes, that's All correct. Right. All right. And uh, um, my, is it Crowley? Is that your name, Crowley? I didn't write, I didn't write yes, it. Yes, sir. Down. Yeah, Andrew Crowley is my last name. Yes, sir. Okay, Crowley. Why, everybody calls you Crowley? Uh, Andrew or either Jay, but yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> it's okay, because, you know, with a name like Dave Cook, I was always, I was Cook. <laughs> Yo, Cook. What's yeah, up? I'm, Crow- oh. I'm Crowley to a lot of folks. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. That's good, man. But we, you know, we get we got into a really great discussion about religiosity in church, and and um, I don't really want to pivot too far away from that because I think that was a great subject. But be, I've always found that the time goes super fast, and so what I want to do is just take a pause, really quick, Madam D, and um, for those who want to reach out to, because I know what you do is you offer encourage people to. Um, submit questions in advance to the show and stuff like that and um, things. So how can people uh, reach out to you? How can we find you? That kind of stuff. Tell me a little bit about how that works. Sure. First off, you can go to my website, which is um, stoppingthehyphensilence.com. And you can see, first off, all of our episodes, um, the individual interviews I've done with people that want to um, tell their story. And also all of the episodes from the Masculine Voices. It's on YouTube, Instagram. Um, so go to the website and it has all of the episodes that we have done in the past. You can also go to my Facebook. Facebook is Stopping the Silence. That's simple. Um, you can go to Instagram. Instagram is Stopping the Silence underscore official. And, and if you look at the link, it will have another link to the different links that I have for the masculine voice. If you want to submit their questions, all the upcoming events. So um, stopping the silence underscore official Instagram. That's a good place to start, too, with all the links to um, the, the masculine voices as well. OK, perfect. Awesome. And we'll, we'll I'll try to do that again at the end of the show. But I've just found that. You know, usually the show runs and it's like, oh, my gosh, I didn't I didn't get you guys a plug in there. So I wanted to make sure we did that. We'll do it one more time, hopefully at the end. Um, so um, I'm going to I'm going to turn this over to you, Madam D, really quick. Where do you want to go with this conversation next? What do you want to what do you want us to talk about? 
Um, I think we should talk about more of um, why is it so important for people to stop their silence? Um, um, why, do, why do you think that people are really um, concerned with telling their stories or um, holding on information? Because I think that we struggle sometimes with being open to other people. Um, we're afraid to let people know what we've gone through. And I think the more community we have, more trusted community we have, the more the better we can come out of our situations. I struggled with that day. When I was in my situation, I didn't know who to turn to. And I went to church all my life. Um, and my father was an assistant pastor. And but I still struggle with who could I trust, you know? And um, I think it's important for us to, we all, as believe we all should be trusted, you know, especially we operate through the Holy Spirit. So um, l- let's go that direction. Um, why is it important to stop the silence? And and also for men, why is it important for them to stop the silence? So people who are following the men could be could be uh, helped in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're okay with that. Yeah, I think it's a great conversation. Um being that I'm the being that I'm the host, I'm not going to try to answer that question. <laughs> um, you know, but I do. I, well, I, I will throw out a, a theory, and we can we you guys can you know play with it and pick it apart. But you know, we live in a society where, especially because of social media, everybody wants to post all the good news. This is my life. Yeah. Look how beautiful it is my clothes, my car, my kids, my mm-hmm. my job. You know, my hair. I don't. You know, whatever it is that we want to, we we have this need to project this 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 view of who we are. And in reality, everybody, everybody's going through something, you know, and I, yeah. and I would tell you that my, the situation with my son's um, well, substance abuse issue um, before, before he, um, you know, started on that journey, I was one of those guys that thought anybody that became a drug addict was a dumbass. pardon my French, but, you know, it was just kind of like, you know, how do you, how do you let that happen? And so I was one of those people that like lived in ignorant judgment of a situation. And that things were avoidable if you just used your head and stayed out of trouble. And it's not really that simple. Stuff happens, things, you know, whatever. Some things happen beyond your control. And when I watched what my son went through with his, uh, um, you know, arrest and relapse and recovery and all that stuff, I really became incredibly aware of what what happens when we get marginalized. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's a shame how we as a society marginalize people who are hurting. But then that's what ends up happening is because we we don't understand what's behind the pain. So we judge the pain. We judge the the byproduct of the pain. We say, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. Dave must not have been a good parent because if I because good parents don't have kids who, you know, use drugs. Well, we all know that that's not true. But somebody who wants to sit in the ivory tower and judge things, um, they don't you know, they they judge it. They call it for what it is until they have to go through something similar. And they go, oh, my gosh, I didn't know it was that. Well, what I didn't know was like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the real world. And I think that that's what happens is I just think that we were afraid of sharing our story for a couple of reasons. Number one, we don't want to ever be judged. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't want to be seen as failing or weak or vulnerable or any or less successful than than somebody else. That's one. And then number two is um, with that shame comes there is there something that I did wrong? Is there something that I, uh, you know, uh, you know, they they have that a lot, you know, uh, reading things about, especially people, um, you know, sexual assault survivors and stuff that the guilt that I, it must have been my fault. I must have done something wrong. And we all know that that's not true, but that doesn't change the internal mechanism that somebody has and says, yeah, I don't know if I could tell anybody's story because I probably screwed up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when when your spouse beats you, you didn't screw up. Your spouse beat you. 
Okay. You didn't trigger them. That's not your fault that they beat you. It's your, it's their fault that they hurt you. And, um, you know, but it's hard for people to tell that story because there's something in it that says I'm at fault. I mean, that's, that's, Mm -hmm. that would be my first theory. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say this and I'll let Will or Braxby take over. Um, For me, when I was dealing with my situation, I think I was so, um, I think I wanted help, but I was so blinded by the lies of the enemy. Um, and I think that right there her, was heavy on me because I believed the lie. <laughs> I believed the multiple lies and the lies became my reality. And that was not God's reality. Um, so I think for certain people, um, we get we isolate ourselves. So if people want to help, they can't help because we adopted that isolation as our, our norm. And that's not what it's supposed to be. Braxby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for for me, I I can definitely agree with all the points that have been made in regards to what we're discussing right now. And when people uh, experience misery or strife, they they somewhat put shackles on themselves because, like you said, when they want to go into isolation, right? Mm-hmm. But but what happens is when when we finally get to that point, who whoever it is, when they finally get to that point of understanding that. Your, the strife that you went to went through can save someone else's life. That's when we'll start to open up more because, like you, like we spoke about not too long ago, the the trusted community, um, and, and that that stems from from childhood and in some in some regards because um, uh, as growing up, there there are some who are like, um, be quiet, shut up, don't say this, don't say that. We we don't need to hear all that. Blah blah blah. Whatever the case may be. Uh, so growing up, that's all we're hearing when we become older. It's like, all right, let me, let me go ahead and, and compress this and try to handle this on my own because mm-hmm. I, I feel that there is nobody that I can trust because if I do say something, they're going to like, oh, we don't want to hear that crap anyway. We don't want to hear that mess anyway. So now we're, we're somewhat, quote unquote, stuck in our strife. And our sadness mm-hmm. because we don't we don't feel that there's somebody that we can really talk to and open up and let them know what's going on inside our minds, inside our bodies, and inside of our spirits. So the the whole thing about the misery and the strife is like you like I said, once you once we come to an understanding of uh, the strife and expressing that what you've been through and how you overcame that that could save someone else's life because it's like the person who is probably going through what you what you went through they're saying to themselves like i i don't know if i can talk to anybody i don't know i don't know of anybody who went through this but if we find that courage to be bold enough to speak up about what it is that we went through uh the steps that we took to overcome that and this person hears that we we never know who it is right we, and our stories aren't for everybody but it's for somebody mm-hmm. and when when we yeah. get to that point of understanding that that's going to um hopefully have a snowball effect on, on from one person to the next be like hey i gotta share my story i need to share my story i want to share my story and so hopefully um we it, it becomes an impact rather enough to where we can just begin to share with each other and help each other grow from what we've been through and get to where we want to be right yeah you know, that, that's, um, you know, Brene Brown talks about that in one of her books is that, you know, when you talk about, um, you know, when she talks about authenticity is that the challenge with, you know, with authenticity is, is that we have to go first. We have to be, uh, you know, we have to be authentic to others first. 
And the message in doing that, you know, I'm paraphrasing, you know, part of her book, but in, in the message in doing that is I am trusting you with me, meaning that I hope that you will find that you can trust me with you. So we give we give the gift of trust to somebody else, and it creates an opportunity for them then to trust us because we're being authentic with them. And I think that that's you know I, I, that's that's what I took away from your your comment is that um, you know when we when we find somebody to trust, they realize that you are you know not everybody you know knows how to handle that you know so you know the subject, the topic, the situation can make them uncomfortable and they don't know what to do with it. But at the same time, they're recognizing, hopefully, most people would recognize the honor of you trusting them. They say, wow, that's a lot. Thanks for trusting me. You know, I don't know what to do with it, but I realize you're trusting me with your truth. You're trusting me with your struggle. And it makes them think like, wow, um, you know, I have a responsibility here. I don't know what it is, but I have a responsibility here now. Right, Um, right. I don't don't know how you guys feel about that. Yeah. And that's, I'm on a, I'm sorry, go ahead, Braxby. Um, I, I like the love the way that you brought up the uh, authenticity because it, there's a a saying that um I've I've used before, and it, it speaks very indicative to what you just mentioned. And it's uh, authenticity uh, gets you elevated while being counterfeit gets you exposed, mm-hmm. right? And so, and so the thing is, when people on, have that authenticity about themselves, it it allows you to um to to show favor to God and, and let let everybody else know that God delivered me from this, not myself. I, mm. I was in a place to where I couldn't even help myself. Mm. But God stepped in and he he led me and he guided me through whatever I needed to get through. And so and like I said, authenticity gets you elevated and being counterfeit gets you exposed. So I, I say choose authenticity over being counterfeit any day. Yeah, that I'm trying to take notes really quick, and I stink at taking notes. But authenticity gets you elevated; counterfeit gets you exposed. Love it. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And Dave um, Braxby and Andrew are authors, so um, I'm going to pl- put this plug in. If, if anybody want to, uh, they like the way they're they're speaking, they can go and purchase their books because they're really really good writers. So where do we? Where do, well, if you're <laughs> if you're going to plug it, plug it all the way. Where do we find these books? Dave, you can we can't find hear you, Dave. Uh, you can- can you hear go me? Ahead. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Yeah, you can. I'm Andrew Crawley. The, uh, the New Age vernacular exposing worldly language that Christians use can be found on Amazon. Also on Lulu, you can get a digital downloaded copy. Definitely would love for you to stop by my website because you can also find them there too. And it's my name, com, And that's where my book can be found. All right. And then who else had a book? Brax, you said? Braxby. Yes, he yeah, has two. Braxby. Yes. And I, and yes, for Braxby, you can find my uh, book uh, as a link in my bio on my Instagram page and also on my uh, Twitter page. And the handle is Braxb underscore seven. It is also located on Lulu. I have uh, two books and one is um, Stay on the Tracks, The Journey of Patience and Perseverance. And the second one is You Got This, The Student Trifecta for Academic Achievement. Patience and Perseverance. Yes, sir. I might have to read that book. Um, I can do I can do the perseverance part, but I have no patience. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm really good at persevering at, at being impatient. But um, you know that's that's awesome. Um, so I just lost my train of thought. Okay, Madam D, take over again. Get me back on track. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's okay. I kind of want to go back to um, um, the speaking out part. So 
those who are listening, um, there's no specific topic that we um, hone on to. If you struggle with anything, I think is very vital. Um, so for myself, when I was dealing with my situation in darkness, I know for sure that the enemy had my voice. And yeah. what he does, he targets mm. the voice so you can't speak. Um, literally, I thought I was in a chokehold. And and when we stop speaking out, people don't know that we're struggling with certain things. Um, mm -hmm. So I encourage people, if you are struggling with whatever, there's people that's willing to help you. And the Masculine Voices and myself are willing to help you. And you can go to the link in bio on my Instagram and you can submit your questions. But I want to go, um, and Will, help me out, Will. How significant is it for us to um, first acknowledge that there is an issue? Um, and even sometimes we don't even know there's an issue, right? Um, but how can we come... How you personally um, knew that, hey, I need to stop and get out to reach out for help because, you know, we can go through a situation and don't understand that we really do need help. But I think it's important for us to speak out and say, hey, I need some help, somebody. And I need somebody to, to come and help me. Will? Yeah. With um, with that is you have to understand you have to deal with the root of the problem. A lot of times we we deal with the if we use a tree we deal with the uh the leaves we deal with the limb but we never really deal with the root of our problem or our situation or deal with the root of the trauma and um biblically if you really think about it uh the gospel of luke talks about the eighth chapter talks about the woman with the issue of blood mm -hmm. and was gone for 12 years so once she went to the physicians, spent all her money, and there was no cure, she had to deal with the root of it. And the root of it is that I'm going to spend all this money on this problem that there's one man that can solve. And that's when she pressed away to touch Jesus' hem of his garment. And the problem is a lot of us, we go to a lot of other people for our, our quote-unquote cures for the things we're going to we go to other people when they're not really um they're not really trying to help us they're really trying to keep us there because they know once we leave this situation or the circumstance that we're in we're better off and um as a man for years it wasn't what you call uh it wasn't common for a man to talk about his problems. Mm -hmm. It wasn't common for a man to say, hey, man, I ain't feeling it today. I'm not. Um, my mental health is this. My, I'm feeling uh, very emotional today. That wasn't common years ago. So a lot of men, when they, um, like you said, when they check out, uh, they're checking out because of what they're used to. And they don't say anything. So it has to be a place where someone feels safe to say they can say, look, man, I'm going through um, I'm going through this. I'm dealing with this. And you have to. Um, that's the first step is admitting what is going on. And once you admit that, that sense of relief, because now it's not hidden, you're not ashamed of it. You shouldn't be ashamed to say I'm having a bad day. I'm having the, I tell people all the time to start off small. Uh, just admit something that's going on in your life right now. And it's very small and then it helps. And then you go to bigger things. Then when big things happen that change your uh, reality, you'll be able to deal with it in a more um, 
progressive way to where you already have that confidence to, to open your mouth and not be silent about what's going on. I had to do that last year. Around this time last year, I was preparing for my grandfather to pass. And personally, when he did pass, I didn't, I was uh, not having, I wasn't good. And I wasn't good uh, in my mental state. And I had to really start using my own words. I tell people, and I had to start saying slow stuff. One day I was having a bad day. I said, I'm having a bad day. And then I had to really deal with the bigger issue. So... Yeah, yeah. that's good. It is good. It, it, you know, it is It is interesting. You know, when I was used to give talks, um, when I was talking to moms and stuff like that, I, I, I my uh, kind of get you guys give some commentary on this, but I would say, you know, it's like, you know, usually what would happen is dads are dads are the fix it guys. Moms are the nurturers. That's been my experience. Moms are nurturers. They're the caregivers. You know, they get involved with the problem, make sure, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then things get screwed up and it's like, you know, oh, okay, everybody stand back. Let me fix it. <laughs> and and dad shows up to go fix it, you know, and we'll use dad in this situation or the head of the house, however you want to use it. And, it, you know, relative, I'm using this in the context of my experience with addiction again, but, um, and so then he would say, all we need to do is, and he's got, brings out the playbook and all the things that he thinks he needs to do. And then when it doesn't work, um, he retreats. And in my theory is in, in retreating is, is that he feels this sense of failure inadequacy. Mm. And it's like, gosh, you know, I did everything right and it still didn't work. I must be a lousy dad or I must be not, you know, I must not be the guy for this situation. And they retreat in their shame and their pain and their disappointment. Um, instead of just sitting, finding somebody to talk about and say, okay, I'm lost. I don't, I don't get it. I don't know what to do because I've done everything that I could do and it didn't turn out the way I hoped. Um, so the idea being is being honest and authentic about the struggle that they're in. They retreat in their own failure and start telling the story. Like you talked about Madam D about sitting in the darkness and talking and, and dealing with their, the, with the struggle that they have in their failure, or they go back to work, which is a safe place because they're the boss or they have a job. At least, at least I'm not a screw up there and they retreat right. to things that make them feel safe and successful. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, Yeah, well, I think. Oh, I'm sorry, Madam D. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Will. No, no, go ahead. Um, uh, the retreating, uh, conspect is from we. That's how men cope with things, especially the older men. My father and my grandfather they did the same thing. Um, I just remember seeing my grandfather, my grandma being in the hospital. My grandfather, I'm, I'm helpless. I can't do anything. And I used to tell my granddad, granddad, it's really this is not your this is not your battle right now. And a lot of men, um, they don't really get the concept of that retreating is not um a sign of defeat, as a sign of re-strategizing. And um you have to know how to a good coach knows its players. A good coach knows exactly who to really um who to put in at a certain time, who to take out in a certain time. And with um, with me and my wife, I'm not ashamed as a leader of my household to let my wife, my wife uh, run point on something because she's more equipped to handle this part of the situation. And it doesn't make me weak. It doesn't make me incompetent. 
it makes me a better leader because I'm looking at the situation um, as a, a open canvas instead of a closed canvas. Um, like uh, with guns, you can't look at it with a scope. Sometimes you need to look at it with a broader perspective and know, okay, my wife might be uh, more nurturing, as you said earlier, to do this part to talk to uh, the children this way. But I need to make sure that she understands the discipline needs to still be in place. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the size of a good leader. And, and it's, it's okay to be uh, defeated. You have to, when you uh, go through defeats, you actually learn from your defeat. So it makes oh, yeah. you 10 times wiser and better. So I tell you, um, my, I, Crawley said this one time on the thing, he said, men have to fail in order to become better. And that was one thing he said when we first got together, and I still remember to this day. Yeah, my daughter. My daughter has that with my um, my nine year old grandson. So, what do you learn when you win all the time? Nothing. What do you learn when you fall <laughs> down? Everything. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I'll, and real quickly. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were Go ahead. Keep going. No, real quickly. I also want to interject that one of the reasons why men retreat and given talking about the story that we, that you brought up in the beginning is because if we are used to being fixers, when you're in sentiment set, you know, settings like that where you are not the fixer but you're getting close to something that you may need to work on yourself, you automatically go from, as a man, from being the fixer to the thing that needs fixing. And so this a lot of times allow us to retreat because we don't want certain things touched. It's like, hey, you're getting too close. And so that's one reason why also men retreat because they don't know how to help the patients enough because we haven't been used to. If I'm the fixer all the time, I don't know what it's like to be fixed. And so that's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons too. And so therefore, one reason why men retreat back to silence and not all, but not only just me, but all of us, when it comes to silence, let this be a motivating factor for us to escape silence by understanding this silence, not only gives a pillar to darkness, silence itself is a form of darkness. Mm. Nothing ever has gotten better by keeping quiet about it. And so let's make up our minds today. Unless if we want to receive darkness, we also have to divorce ourselves from silence. And so that's another thing that we, you know, need to understand in all of our problems. Let's not, oh, let's not deal with that now. Okay. Well, sometimes there has to be a time where it is a good time to actually meet head on things that need to be discussed. That's great. That's great. Well, we're going to, believe it or not, our time is up. (laughs) Um, But this was like, gosh, these hours go so fast. But this one was was extremely energizing. And I just want to thank all of you for um, we did a little bit of a pivot at the beginning. Nobody knows this, but we were scrambling because we had the wrong time or we were confused on time. But this came together beautifully. I love what you guys are doing. Um, uh, Madam D, you got you got a very powerful team. And um, and and you've got a great story and a great approach. And so I really, you know, I would encourage everybody to uh, take a look at um, Madam D. What's the one place you want to send them? Where do you want people to go first? Really um, stopping quick. The, stopping the silence, um, dot com. And I want to give the time for the guys to give their handle, if you don't mind, the Instagram handle really quick. Fast. Go. AndrewCrawleyJr.com. Uh, okay. Uh, Will McCoy Rack Jr. Underscore seven. And Will McCoy Jr. Uh, on Instagram and Facebook. All right, cool. You guys, um, this was this was amazing. I really, really appreciate it. Keep up the work that you're doing, and and thank um, you. This is this is good. Thank you for having us, Dave. I appreciate you. I appreciate your mission, and I thank you so much for having us. We are so grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
All thank right. You. Well, thank you. Well, this is David Cook with Stop Telling and Start Listening. Remember, open your heart, open your ears, open your mind, because once you start listening, everything changes. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. We hope you've picked up on some useful ideas to help you enhance your conversational skills. Until we listen again, have a beautiful week.